You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Okay, great. Hi, friends. I'm Brenna Rubio. My pronouns are she, her, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. And I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we try our hardest to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it is just Really good to be here together with some of you in this physical space, with others of you in our online, our Zoom community. Uh, really value this time that we get to be here together on a really beautiful Sunday morning. It actually feels like fall, and how awesome is that? Yeah, some of us are really leaning into that season, right? Uh, we love our kids, and I have seen a few of our amazing Kidmin team scurrying around, getting ready for them already, uh, and we love to pray for them before they go out. They'll have an opportunity in just a minute to go out and do some playtime and activities and story time, all those good things. Uh, so I wonder if our friend Ming could come up and, and pray for our kids with us this morning. Would you guys welcome Ming? you. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for these beautiful children and youth in this church today and also the ones who couldn't make it at home. And um, we just pray that your light would bless them today. Um, thank you for the ways that they challenge and question and push back. And we pray that you would help us to um, just guide and be a loving support to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ming. Hey, kids, if you want to come meet up with your leaders over here in this corner, you are welcome to do that, and we hope you have a great time. Uh, and you could also welcome up our co-pastor, Bill White. Good to see you, friends. Yeah. So we are on our last Sunday talking about this idea of orbits and how it is that we make church work for us, because many of us have had experiences we would say like, we don't know how to make church work. Either it feels sometimes like it's just too, too much, or maybe we wanna connect and we don't know how. Churches can just feel like odd and tricky places. Um, and it's not you, it's us, absolutely, okay? We just freely admit it, it's the church's fault. You guys are great. Uh, but we wanna talk through some of the dynamics, like what what's going on here? Uh, and so we have been talking about this this idea of orbit as a way of thinking about the me and the we in a healthy relationship and how these things have to sort of operate in dynamic tension with each other so that the we oftentimes is bigger. You know, it's the family system or it's the church system. It's your workplace system. And the whole big giant hairball of rules and expectations and just relationship dynamics that sometimes can have just a healthy gravity in our lives, help us stay connected. We're doing something together. It can be really healthy, but sometimes it can get a little overwhelming. There can be this sense of they're trying to suck us in, or even I have felt this sometimes in relationships, they want to eat me. Any of you felt that sometimes? And it's actually a process of maturity for me. Again, I'm speaking out of my personal experience to hit a point of going like, oh, I'm an adult. They can't eat me. <laughs> right? They're like, 
oh, if I have enough healthy meanness, I can figure out how to be in relationship in ways that work for all of us, but also honor who I am. And so that's part of what we want to talk about this morning, where in previous weeks, I think we have tended to focus a little bit more on sort of how it can be healthy to need a little bit more distance. And we absolutely believe that. And we know that lots of us are coming in from religious experiences, spiritual communities, where because it has been towards the unhealthy, you know, kind of soul-sucking gravity kind of side of things, that sometimes we really need that. We need to know that God and community, that our, our individuality can be honored. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about how being part of community, how, how community can be a healthy tether for our souls, how we need each other. We're just going to explore it a little bit, not to tell anybody where you need to be, because again, orbits, orbits aren't circular, orbits are elliptical, they can change. Uh, and so we don't know what season you're in, but say it, at least in some seasons, community can be really beautiful. Um, so just a quick story from my life over the last week. Uh, I was supposed to be getting coffee with an old friend that I had not seen in a few years. And this old friend, I mean, there's a reason we're friends, right? Wonderful person. But our friendship developed in a time when we were both much more deeply part of the evangelical community, a community that I would not now say that I'm particular part of. It was part of my, my kind of spiritual heritage and upbringing, but it's, it's, not, it's not who I am right now. And there are some, some tensions that I have now with that community. And so as I was preparing to get coffee with my friend, I was starting to feel a little nervous, right? I was having this like, wow, some big things have happened in my life and in my family over the last couple of years. And, you know, I just, I assume if we're sharing stories, like this has been big in my life, like not bad, but big. Negotiating, you know, children being uh, diagnosed with different neurodivergence uh, and children coming out as trans and, and things that I would just go, I, if I were still part of that evangelical system, it would not be okay. That that particular system, that hairball, would not be okay. They would, let me put it this way. They would be probably great with my sadness, right? That, that if I came in and said, I'm sad, or I'm scared, or I'm nervous, I'm, there would be a lot of tenderness and compassion. But the me that comes in and says, wow, I love my kids and they're awesome, that that system might have some difficulty with that. And so I'm prepping for this coffee with my friend going, because we were kind of part of evangelicalism together, and I don't know any different, like, I'm not sure how she's going to receive my story, how she's going to receive me. And I feel a little nervous about that. And so I'm thinking, you know, what is she going to expect and want from me? And, and I don't want to give it to her, right? Because that's not actually who I am. But then what do I want? And some of the things that I want, like maybe they're not the best. Like maybe I just want to be self-protective, you know, and there's this part of me that wants to like pull away in advance, whether that means being ready to get angry at her, right? Preemptively ready to like, if she says anything. I know I come off as mild and sweet. Now, now you're talking like me. <laughs> like, man, I'm relating right here. Do you really get preemptively angry? 
wow, I like that. All right, good. <laughs> You know, maybe, right? Or, or maybe I'm just, just going to like stay away from anything where she could hurt my feelings, right? Which means I'm basically not going to talk about my life, right? So two different ways I could hold her at arm's length and go through the motions of having coffee with my friend without ever actually connecting. So how do you do that? I mean, that is the question for a lot of us, I think, right? How do we connect in real and genuine ways with people where sometimes they're going to want things from us, potentially, that we don't want to give, and we may want things from them that they potentially don't want to give? How do we do this whole thing? How does the me and the we and actual genuine community work out? I'm going to finish my story later. It actually worked out in a way that completely surprised me. <laughs> I'm just kind of reveling in this moment that... <laughs> <clears throat> Brenna's messed up I, too. Like I'm always the angry one, but I feel like I feel seen. So thank you. I have more of a filter on my anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. That is true. Um, so we're going to look at a passage today that uh, is not really sort of your typical passage when you think about community, um, and and kind of coming in closer towards community, but. It, it felt just very descriptive for me as we were thinking about it. It's just, it's just very brief piece about uh, the the early friend of Jesus named Peter. And Jesus, it's it's towards the end of Jesus's life. Um, Jesus is facing that you know he's about to die, and he loves the world and he loves his friends, and he's giving them a little coaching and, and he's talking through some of the things that are going to happen, and and he. And he takes a little one-on-one -on -one time with Peter and lets Peter know in the, in the language that Brennan just sort of articulated for us, hey, Peter, you've been in a really close orbit in this community for, for a while now. Your orbit's going to shift. And I, I'm okay with that. I see that. I'm not angry. I'm not anxious. Your orbit's going to go wider from community for a while. And then your orbit's going to circle back around, closer. And the way that Jesus kind of introduces these ideas to Peter, it's very, I don't know, it just felt so hopeful. Like, this is us. So let, let's talk about this, this journey that each of us have of being close or being far or being close to religious community and kind of some of the whys and hows of that. Uh, so if you would welcome Andy Jong as he reads scripture for us, uh, come on down, Andy. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, typically we stand around City Church if you'd like. Um, you don't have to stand if you're on Zoom or if you're not comfortable standing, that's fine too. Scripture reading. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your siblings. People of God, this is the word of God. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, Andy. So I love, I love this little passage. 
A first question that it brings up for me, though, when I read it is just a sense of what does it mean for your faith to fail? I mean, especially with this picture that we've used of orbits over the last few weeks, I really just had this, I, I mean, I really did. I spent a little time thinking, what would it mean for Jesus to pray against someone's faith failing? And I don't know if any of you have ever been in any of those seasons where you maybe feel like, yeah, that would be a phrase that would have described where you're at. My faith is failing. It seems like it might be a picture of becoming sort of completely untethered, whether that's to a particular religious community or maybe even to just really your sense of relationship with God, your connection to spirituality or, or to Jesus. Um, the sense maybe that you're drifting off, right? That if an orbit kind of keeps you more or less sort of in, in relationship in vicinity that now we're just in the space of like it's wild and crazy out here where am i right disoriented um, in the unknown could be isolated um, could be lonely and yet as i was thinking about it there was this part of me kind of going like do we really ever i mean as I understand God and God's love, can I really picture a space in which I would let go of my faith and God would let go of me? Where I truly would be just drifting? Where I would just be lost on my own? And I, I just want to offer that as a reflection because there was part of me that was like, oh, even as I, I picture this and I know it fits with this like metaphor of the orbit and everything, there's just this piece of me that just wants to cling to the way we hear it in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand guides me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And I just, I just want to preemptively say, I don't know that the metaphor stretches that far. Um, I, even if our faith fails, I don't know that I would want to believe that God fails us, that there isn't a love still surrounding us and catching us. And, and I imagine as many of us think through our stories, that might resonate because yes, we experienced ourselves as way out there. We experienced ourselves for a season as so deeply on our own. And yet you're here this morning, right? You're listening in. There was something which still had you, which still did not let you go in the best of ways. And you're here this morning and we're we're really glad but the main focus obviously as we explore this passage as we look at this tiny little little snippet is that jesus is okay jesus jesus says yeah peter you're gonna be out there and it's gonna be hard right you're about to be sifted you're about to be put to the test stretched challenged it's going to be hard 
you're going to feel way out there. And yet, doesn't actually mean your faith has failed. That in the midst of all that challenge, in the midst of that experience distance, Jesus is saying, Anna, I believe that you will come close again, that you will feel close again. You will experience yourself wrapped up in the arms of community again. And, and you almost get this sense that it's by the way that Peter will hold on in the farther spaces that's going to help him enjoy and be ready to come back into the closer spaces. There's just something dynamic about this process. And again, I'm not sure we love hearing these things, right? I don't know that I would love Jesus sidling up to me and going, you know, it's about to get tough. But it feels real, right? It's actually what we experience. And it's nice to know that Jesus is actually okay with it. He's, he thinks we're going to come through. Yeah, there are these seasons, right, where we're close, more far and he's like and you're going to return okay they'll be close again there's no value judgments on these so uh, we wanted to uh invite up our friend ali Ravi, who's going to share a little bit of his story here um so if you'd Hi, welcome ali, ali. thanks sure oh. yeah right right where do you want right. to be okay you're be good. comfortable get, get comfortable get comfortable so um you know, every week we try to have folks, one or two people up on stage, just to hear, like, what is this like in, in, in real life? Because um, pastor life gets, you know, we have all these ideas, like, <laughs> is that really how it is? <laughs> so, um, Ali, tell us a little bit, uh, how, well, how long have you been around City Church, and why did you end up showing up? Showing up today, or just in general? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today I was kind of forced to. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, we've been at City Church, so me and my wife have been at City Church for, I don't know, nine months, a year, roughly. Oh. Um, yeah, so how we showed up, um, we used to live on the west side, and we moved down to Torrance, um, but that also kind of coincided with kind of like a nasty experience at our former church. Um, mm -hmm. we, like, to sum things up, our pastor was pretty manipulative and abusive, and there was a pattern of people of color and women being pushed out. Oh man. Um, and so that coupled with some previous bad experiences with other like evangelical orgs, um, I think we were really uh, excited to see the transparency on the City Church website about mm. kind of your story. Um, and that was just really refreshing for us. Um, and so we decided to give it a shot. It just felt like a natural kind of decision point to check it out. And um, yeah. Uh, let me say, I appreciate that courage, you know, coming from some yuck. So, um, so now you've, you've been around City Church more or less for, you know, a while. Um, like, like, why, why are you coming back to church? You know, I mean, you, you experienced some, you had some negative experiences in religious settings. Um, and like, how, how do you process that and how do you process the value of community like why why are you i mean and, and i'm not saying that yeah. you're all in and like oh you're like our new great leader or anything like that because you you wouldn't say you're 
Would you say you're all in? Yeah, I mean, you've, you've said I'm still on probation here, so. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said I'm still on probation. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if I'm all in. Um, yeah. I think I'm still figuring that out. It's like part of my process, part of our process. But um, I think one of my core convictions is that like the gospel is good news. It is the good news. Yeah. And so centering my life around that is like part of who I am, a part of my identity. Yeah. Um, I think also by nature, I'm not like a very disciplined person. So if I were to just, you know, using the language of orbits, if my orbit were to be too far away from it, I think it might veer off. Just <laughs> that gravitational like, pull may not yeah. pull me back in. Yeah. And so I think being in church is a good rhythm for like my body, for my like mental health, for my emotional health, um, to be in spaces where it's like, yeah, like Jesus is the good news. Mm -hmm. There is goodness here, uh -huh. regardless of how my previous experiences have perverted, like, or tried to pervert who Jesus is. And yeah. So. Mm -hmm. So why don't you, I mean, I'm thinking about kind of all the normal people who are here. Um, and I'm thinking about you as a fairly normal person. Um, like, what are some of the questions that you find yourself asking or some of the concerns, some of the things as you think about, you know, kind of circling around a community like, yeah, I'm kind of, am I open to making some friends there? Am I open to joining a group? Am I open to this or to that? Like, what are some of your concerns, your questions? What are some of your hesitations? Like, help us. Some of us don't think very well that way, but you strike me as a thoughtful person and that you probably, or at least your wife is, and she probably told you stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just regurgitating what, what we practiced <laughs> earlier this morning, but um, um, I think my biggest concern is like, am I doing this because I want to, and I actually trust that it's like good for me versus like what previous church spaces have told me? Yeah. Um, like, do I actually want this as like, growth for myself? Do I, do I feel like more intimate with my creator? Do I feel like I'm like, this is helping me grow in my marriage and my other friendships and et cetera. So I think that's the biggest concern. It's like, that takes a lot of self-awareness. I don't know if I always have that. Like, yeah. Yeah. um, the, the, huh, let me just pause yeah. it. That's huge. Are you, are you paying attention to this? Like, do I want this? Or is, is it my parents who wanted me to want this? Or is it mm -hmm. some other church leader that I grew up telling me I, I, I do want this when I, maybe I don't? Like, I love that. Yeah, yeah and I think to, to the like, topic of like orbits, it's like, I think taking the self-awareness to know, like, it's actually good to have those seasons where you're away. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of had that. It was like this last, like, I think during COVID, we maybe went to our old church like four times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I think it was so, that sounds so great. Yeah, it was nice to actually step back and reassess like what does it mean to follow Jesus for us in this season? Like what does it mean to to develop and nurture that um, relationship? Yeah. And yeah, but I think ultimately as I said like that conviction of like no, this is a good space for me and like doing it with people mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. Um kind of led us back to this space. Yeah. It's super beautiful. Um Typically, we, we close these times by saying, do you have a question for us? Um, yeah. We, we appreciate the easy ones, but if you have a hard one, that's oh, yeah. fine, too. <laughs> Definitely um, thought of a few, but um, this one is actually a credit to my wife for this one. If you had to add to the Beatitudes, what oh. would it be? You had one line to add to the Beatitudes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. I'm, I'm very curious myself. Can too, I so. phone a friend? I mean... <laughs> 
gonna crowdsource that one. I guess I was, as I was thinking about that question, it's more like, in your yeah. like context, what is that like, as specific as you'd want, or as big mm. as you want? Mm. <laughs> um, I'll I'll jump in. Um, well, we have the extrovert and the introvert, so the extrovert likes to talk first sometimes to give the introvert a little space. It does. It helps me. Yeah. Pro process. Um, I would say um, blessed are the vulnerable for they find joy. You know, I think there's a sense in which it's terrible to be vulnerable. I mean, just you being up here, right? I mean, it's a vulnerable, right? But it, you know, you're kind of sharing a piece of yourself, letting people know you, but it's actually where you find a flourishing in relationship. And so uh, that's mine. <sighs> Blessed are the weird. They challenge the cult of normalcy. Thank you, Ali. We appreciate you. Oh, Brenda Rubio, that was so, so apt. I don't know what you mean by that. But the rest of us do. Oh, that really was so good. Um, and it, I also feel like it encapsulated so much of what we've been talking about. We're, and even coming in today to say like, hey, we actually want to hold out that community can be good, but not in a way that where we're saying like, community can be good because we need you or we're trying to force you into something. But truly we believe community can be good, but only in the ways that it truly is good. So look for those ways, right? we can't tell you like this is what is good for you you'll discern that right you'll you'll try things you'll experiment but we start to see that in this passage as jesus says hey and when you return when you come back you're gonna have stuff to do you're gonna strengthen your siblings and i don't think there's any way for us to to fully um understand this phrase without thinking about the context that Jesus was talking to Peter within. Because yes, he pulled Peter aside, but earlier he'd been talking to everyone, talking to the entire group about what it truly meant to follow him, what it truly meant to be part of this we that Jesus was building. Because once again, they were having this, this dispute, this argument that just, it happens over and over again in the story of Jesus and his friends. Like, and it happens over and over again with us, where they're arguing about who's supposed to be the greatest. They're just trying to size up, you know, like who's the most important in the room and, you know, who gets the biggest slice of pie and all this kind of stuff, right? Like this is, this is where they're at. And so Jesus, once again, has to say, this isn't how it works. The kings of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They're all about this power question, this who's the greatest question. But you're not to be like that. That's not the we that we're building here. Instead, the greatest among you, among us, should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves for who is greater. The one who's at the table or the one who serves? Yes, it's usually the one who's at the table, 
but I am among you as one who serves. So when you listen to that, Jesus is this describing this way of being a human in the midst of others that is just so ridiculously self-aware. Just, yeah, it, it's not trying to say that you're smaller, right? It's not trying to say like, well, I need to serve or I'm, I'm the least of these because I'm just so unworthy. It's saying, no, you're awesome. You are so amazing, which means you have so much to give. You don't have to power up on the people around you. You don't have to get preemptively angry, like our conversation earlier. You don't have to run away and hide from challenges. Like, you're loved, and you have gifts, and you're just, you're amazing. And out of that amazing person you are, you can be in community, and sometimes you can be the one who strengthens, and though he doesn't say it explicitly here, I think it's embedded in, sometimes you're going to be the one who needs to borrow somebody else's strength, right? That you're going to be in this dynamic, interdependent, not enmeshed. That's what the, the just like, oh, you just have to do everything that we say. That's an enmeshed kind of community. But a, hey, truly interdependent. What you want, what you need matters what the community wants, the community needs. Yeah, that matters too. And how can we figure it all out? It's just this beautiful picture. And it's so different from where we can end up. If we don't pay attention to this part too, if all we're thinking about is our me, and again, there are seasons where thinking about ourselves that requires more attention, right? We've been damaged, we've been hurt. We're, we're just in need of some time for repair. That There will be seasons. But if that's all we ever think about, we're just missing something. Bell Hooks puts it this way. I am often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. Yes, we need to think about ourselves, but it's, it's not going to be enough. We're missing a piece. If out of that healed, hold, flourishing self, we don't find our ways to connect, right? Or let's think about it in another way. This is a psychologist, Dr. Allison Cook. When you know deep inside that you are safe and seen, that you have purpose and no one else can take your place on this earth, you will be well on your way to a life of connection and authentic expression. That healthy self is the one who can really go out there and connect, can strengthen and be strengthened. Okay, so I'm gonna go back to my story with my friend, um, which again, I, this just surprised me. So. I'm working through this stuff and I'm driving over still thinking about these things a little. And I realize I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm talking to myself. I've had enough counseling. I can try to sort of like reflect back to myself, all the things counselors have told me over the years, right? And mostly it sounds like this. There are two different streams that I'm thinking for myself. One is, Brenna, you're a grown woman. Like, I'm loved, I'm okay, right? Like. My friend says something I, I don't like, I can say, wow, ouch. Um, 
I could get up from the table if I needed to. I, you know, there are just all sorts of options I have. I'm a grown woman. This is going to be okay, right? Like, I know I'm loved. I know I'm all right. And then the second part was reminding myself, so that I'm not catastrophizing, of how many wonderful conversations I've had with people over the last few years, right? Where I've just I've had great conversations and reminding myself to, to give people some credit for often surprising me, you know, to not be too much of a pessimist assuming the worst so those are my two things going in that i'm trying to remember so that i can just be with my friend um, and share honestly and authentically about my life which i did um and and it was great and she was she asked thoughtful questions and was kind and all these things and so that that in and of itself was was lovely right feeling like i got to be my true self speak of my true experience and have a good connection with my friend but here's where it got surprising is that then she started to share about her life and some of the ways that her life was no longer fitting in the neat and tidy evangelical box and telling me yeah i don't talk about this with very many people because i know they're just going to try to fix me i know they're just gonna you know tell me what i'm supposed to do um i i know they're gonna tell me the evangelical rules right but she was sharing with me and, and just admitting like i have so many questions i still love god but i have so many more questions than i ever did did before because of the ways my life is not fitting fitting the mold it's not going the way i was told it was supposed to and i realized that she probably would not have told me those things right if i had not told her about the ways that i didn't fit the mold anymore and it was just it was beautiful and i was so grateful that we were able to have that space together and maybe just encourage each other that but it, it was just this picture right of like okay me taking a risk made a space for her to take a risk and uh yeah it felt like a, a healthy connection so this, is, this is what, what's striking <laughs> me right here is that this it it parallels and this is kind of a new thought and so maybe you'll push back on this but okay it parallels exactly what happened with peter hmm. like peter he had some failure yep he had some you know he denied jesus he he did a bunch of silly things um and he took a season away and you see him he goes back to fishing instead of following jesus at the end of jesus's story after the the cross um so my sense is when he comes back and Jesus says, hey, when you when you return to a closer orbit, strengthen your siblings, it's like you got a story to tell, Peter. Right. You, you know what it's like. To, all right. So your family's a little messy. It doesn't fit. Yeah. Right. You can tell that. And then they colorful can say, is the word I choose these days. Colorful. But yeah. Colorful. Uh, <laughs> like a like a rainbow. Like a rainbow. Yeah. yeah. Um, like a variety of flags. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that, and that, but Peter gets to share that, and and that's part of the way that he gets to strengthen his siblings, and it's yeah. part of the way you strengthen yours, and so then they can talk about maybe their unusual marriage setup or their unusual children or the things that aren't normal, quote unquote, within their religious. They can challenge their cult of normalcy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. We Bless, come in blessed with... are the weird because they sub, what do they do? They subvert. They challenge the cult of normalcy. They challenge the cult of normalcy. Yeah. <laughs> see, there you go. There it is. Thank you. 
Yes, uh, Ari thanks for a great question. Ali for your question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, maybe that when we come out of those, we've been in those farther places, right? We come back with, I mean, not that I'm claiming I'm super wise, but we come in with something. Yeah. I think we do, like, a, yeah. certainly I think we come in more tender. Um, and so we'd like to close out our time with another story. Uh, I'd like to invite up our friend Kay Higuera-Smith, uh, who's going to share a little bit of her story. Thanks so much for being here. here come on in. Take the center. Take the you know, I think it might feel more comfortable for people when oh, they're not the surrounded by us. Oh, oh really? Like, like I, I think it's like, possible. Like the bouncers? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll um, take a poll later from people who have come yeah. up here. Yeah. Um, so, Kay, how long have you been around City Church? Why did you end up showing up? I think I've been here three or four months, but I've not been coming every Sunday. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'm part of that orbit that's a little out there that elliptical orbit yeah yeah there you go and but why did you show up i mean how you know i mean i assume god probably just spoke to you and said we're the one true church that's what it was yeah is that it yeah i actually was going to a great church i called it the church that i love but i never go to oh. and um so i've been i've been having this struggle because i in my history I have planted and been deeply involved in, in all aspects uh, three different churches over the years two you in, started three different churches yes two in Seattle and one in in Agora Hills and um, she's for real mm -hmm. and we were trying to do a lot of things that you're doing here mm -hmm. and uh, it was exhausting work because we were still part of larger organizations and those organizations would push back so much in terms of, of the norms of, of what they thought the norms should be. Um, and so in many ways it was tiring, but I believe so much in community. And yet at the same time, I asked myself, all right, since I moved down to the beach area just about three, four years ago, why am I resisting community and I really had to do some of my own self-talk and I think I came to yeah I think I came to uh I gave so much of myself that I'm a little afraid um, I think I'm a little afraid yeah you know yeah yeah I wonder if we just kind of pause and hold that for a second and say hey bless you um and yeah you honor that fear you know take some time and if you need to be done right now, you can go back down. <laughs> that's, that's it. Bye, everybody. <laughs> no, that's what it is. It's actually okay. That would be all right. We, everyone would be like, yeah, okay. I know. Yeah. You would. You would be so sweet. And that's why I keep. I am coming back. Maybe not every Sunday. I mean, the other thing is, you all know, when you spend your whole life, you know, having to get up and and uh, you know uh, and get dressed and do all that. I want to stay in my pajamas on a Sunday morning. You know, <laughs> yes. just lay around late watching we see you CBS on Zoom. Sunday we bless morning. You. <laughs> yeah. That's felt good too sometimes yeah. for a change, you know. Mm -hmm. So that, that sounds super. But healthy. I'm also very drawn to what's happening here. I mean, I really believe in community. I, I don't it's such a trend now to say, Oh, I love Jesus, but I don't need to go to church. And I can't say that because to me, when Jesus says that that 
that we are the body of Christ, that tells me that that's how I can gain access to Christ in a way that I can't otherwise. Yeah. And when I take communion, it's not just Jesus, Jesus' physical body broken for us, but it's also the people of God broken and, right. and spread throughout the whole world mm -hmm. that we somehow mystically partake of. Yeah. So I believe in it so strongly. So I have these back yeah. and forth feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, well, tell us this. So, I mean, because you've been around the, the church world a lot and and you've had your your orbit's been a little bit more distant and and now you're sort of here more ish you know you're you, so I'm flirting with this place you're flirting. Yeah. yeah which is great and we're we're good with flirting right this does not mean you have to start coming every week or anything that's not our approach um but there are a lot of folks who kind of flirt with church at city church which we honor and we bless would you coach us like what are some questions that we should ask like what are some concerns like if we're looking at a church like hmm you know like what are some of the things that go through your mind yeah. as you were looking at city church or another church like i mean again I'm, I'm just asking kind of off the cuff here but like coach us tell us like how how to be not skeptical or cynical but curious and cautious wise wise yeah well i you could say I'm setting a low bar, but actually it's very high bar, which is if I can get through a service without cringing, then, then that's a really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How so, many of us have walked out of services before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's somebody walking out right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're here. <laughs> As Amy heads for the door. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, what, what other, that, right, but, so there's a cringe no, but factor. That, what but are that's some other, also yeah. a high yeah. bar because okay. why am I cringing? I'm cringing because people are, uh, through their unspoken, their sort of coded messages, mm -hmm. they are establishing their cultural norms. And some of those I see as not consistent with how I understand the gospel. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when when you see places that that claim to be inclusive but but uh, are really there to sort of reinforce the the status of usually the single white male pastor not beating up on white male pastors but it's a system mm -hmm. that sets that kind of a of a human being mm -hmm. as somehow more worthy you know that's cringeworthy to me yeah. 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 Totally. Pay attention to your cringes. Listen, right? Listen, because that's your heart and that's your body telling you there's mm -hmm. something not right. And what is that? And know that. Boy, that's so wise. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Um, do you have a question for us? <laughs> Hopefully it's not Ooh. like rewriting the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do, but it's I'm You don't have to have a question. Well, no, I have oh. one, but I <laughs> That's I do hesitate because I feel like I'm putting you on the spot, but the reason <laughs> they the, all want you to so, yeah, so clearly, they're, yeah, they're, they're like you know goading me on. <laughs> but the but the um, but I also think you both have been thoughtful about this, and I I that's why I don't think I'm putting you on the spot. I think you have given this a lot of thought. Um, one of the um, issues, especially in post-evangelical post um, culture, as I'm getting to know it, 
is this idea of inclusiveness. And yet, traditionally, evangelicalism has been um, known to be uh, heavily racialized. Yeah. That our, our, the demographic of, of uh, evangelicalism is, is almost exclusively white. So uh, one of the challenges when you're in a racialized environment is that the individual people in it may, may not hold any racial animus towards any other ethnic group. And yet unconsciously some sort of norms and codes are being communicated mm -hmm. that maintain that racialized homogeneity. Mm -hmm. And um, how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great Georgia's question. A hard one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a it's a good one. And almost we're gonna have a story swap today, but some variety of that question comes up at every story swap because well one, I mean you have two white pastors like standing on the stage. And so you do go like, yeah, like what are what are the things you don't even know that you don't know that that happens, right? Um, I think for us, and you you're gonna add your thoughts and your perspective, um, but a lot of it is by saying the more we are truly empowering other leaders in the space and truly working to make sure that we're listening to those leaders um that that seems like that that it's just acknowledging like yeah we're not going to be able to do it all we're not going to see what we're missing we need to make sure that there's diversity in the people around us um and some of that, it goes even too far, like, you know, in the sense of, and you can't just have like one person from a particular group, for instance, on a board, that's super isolating and hard, right? Like you need at least a couple people in different groups is like ideal, right? So that you can, um, yeah, like I think a lot of just saying like, it really has to be a diverse table and genuinely um, having a spirit of listening and being willing to be told that was a really white way of doing something and going, oh, whoops, sorry, yes, thanks, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and our, our board is majority people of color and uh, it's probably half queer folk. Uh, and that's been a gift to us. Those are our bosses. We have a board that, that that's our, uh, our accountability, which is really helpful because there's so much to grow. But I think I would just add, um, I'm on a steep learning curve. I got a lot to learn because you know there's a lot of racism in me that's part of my culture part of my upbringing part of my family history i mean it's in my i mean it's just in my bones and this journey uh, you know so i'm in a cohort a cross-cultural cohort being coached by a black woman who's really helping me to think through this stuff i'm you know i've got mentors who are you know all these things right you try to do but it, the truth is it's like i messed up and every day this is an issue for me. And so I'm not sure I can promise that like, hey, we're gonna, yeah, this is gonna be all better here at church. We're gonna try. I wanna respond to that. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, but the, hey, did we mention that like, I mean, you probably heard a bit of it, but Kay's like a pro at this stuff, like a <laughs> professor type, I love this. No, I, and you didn't ask me to do this, but this is why I'm here. And I, I have to get real and really speak to you all because uh, churches are very rarely safe spaces. And if they are so often, there's an agenda, there are power, there's all sorts of unspoken power games constantly being played. 
And they're always under the surface, they're always unspoken, you can never, if you out them, then you're the bad guy. I mean, there's just so much unhealthy, toxic stuff going on. And, and we're all unhealthy and toxic. But if you're in a place where people are willing to own that and say, yeah, I got to learn on this. I, 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 I make mistakes. I have blind spots. I need others. Wow. That, I trust you. Because I trust both of you, and I trust you because of that willingness to own who you are. And so even though I really like laying around in my jammies on Sunday, <laughs> I'll probably be coming back more often. <laughs> uh, I, wow, yeah, that was like was even more generous than we deserve, but thank yeah, you. That was very kind.